With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Who is our quarterback? For Michigan, Wilden Spate, who honestly looks like Harbaugh's long-lost love child. <laughs> like, I'm not making this up. Their, their faces are so similar. They were both quarterbacks. Like, I'm pretty sure about 20 or so years ago, Harbaugh had relations with a woman. Can you impregnate someone if you don't take off your cargo shorts? Harbaugh's have strong sperm, probably. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he kind of does look similarly doofusy. It's so unreal, it's ridiculous. I don't know why more all oh, white guys look the same though. Yeah, this is true, but I don't know why more people are not talking about this. Like, Spades supposed mean, to be Harbaugh's. Well, I mean, how many people never... know what Spades looks like? I mean, enough people. I mean, there's enough Michigan fans that they should say something, but they're not. I don't know what Cinderella looks like. Apparently, he has crazy eyes, and I have no idea. Yeah, he does have crazy eyes. But I don't know that. I'm an above-average Purdue fan. But you're more of a basketball fan. True. Oh, oh, oh hey, there you are. Oh, boy. Hello. I'm drinking water out of a giant scooter. Are you on auto-tune right now, Travis? I think he's on auto-tune. Take your goddamn T-Pain app off your phone, Travis. Oh, God. Don't laugh at it, neither. Don't. <laughs> What is happening? Hang up and come back. Okay, I can send an emoji. That's wonderful. Fantastic. Juan Crespo is using a previous version of Skype and cannot see your pictures. I'm not wanting him to see my picture. I can see your hammer and rail thing. The illegal one, I think. Okay. You gotta change that. Oh, yeah, I know, right? Well, his status on Skype also just says gassy. It's been that way since ever since we started doing these podcasts. Has the status not changed or are you just always gassy? I'm always gassy. I'm almost 40, dude. I'm almost gassy. I'm always gassy. Is that what I have to look forward to? Yes. All right. We should probably get going on this podcast. So we're going to okay. the... oh, no. I don't think we're going to be including Travis in this one. <laughs> this connection problem. Should he hang up what? and restart Skype? Yeah, Skype yeah. or just go ahead and hang up Skype real quick, Travis, and we'll call you back. Close the program. All right. Yeah. Yeah, let me shut it down here. There yeah. you go. Now the podcast can really begin. Welcome, everyone, to Hammer and Rails After Dark. Where we get hammered and then rail. Oh, whoa, that's better. <laughs> <laughs> Shit! Good evening, good morning. Good wherever you are. This is the Hammer and Rails podcast once again, coming to you in your ear from the internet where all things are legal. And yes, we mean all things. With us tonight, we have a motley crew featuring Juan manning the ones and twos, as always, from Ann Arbor. How you doing, Juan? I'm good, but I don't think everything is legal on the internet. I've never heard someone sound more like a Penn State fan in my life, Travis. Thank you, Casey. I was going to go. Do not call me a Penn State fan. You just said all things were legal on the internet. (laughs) Do not call me a Penn State fan. Do you know what the internet's for? Penn State fans. It's not cat videos. (laughs) It is cat videos, but not the good cat. 
the other cat. That would be Casey coming to us from God's country in West Lafayette. How are you doing tonight, Casey? I am doing lovely. Excellent. And this is T-Mill. Hi, I'm T-Mill. You guys might know me. I started this whole thing back in the day. Anyway, we are celebrating. Celebrating? A road win over an SEC team? Yes, I just, I'm as shocked as you are. But Paul. <laughs> but Paul. They can't even beat them Boilermakers. <laughs> <laughs> they can't even beat a freaking train. I don't know what, I, I don't know what SEC people sound like, actually. I think Missouri's kind uh, of bastardized SEC. We, we don't face a real SEC team until Vanderbilt in two years. Fair enough. I mean, as someone said in the uh, post-game thread on the college football subreddit, Missouri is the Rutgers of the SEC. I think Vanderbilt's the Rutgers of the SEC. No, because, but Vanderbilt's been in the SEC for years but now. Like, Missouri, Missouri was just good. added. Vanderbilt's the Northwestern of the SEC. Yes, this, this is true. And, and Missouri can't be the Rutgers of the SEC because Missouri made the SEC title game two years in a row. Right. It was just, you know, the trash talk. You know, Purdue fans have been savoring these potential trash talk things for well, years under Hazel. Well, and now we've they, had four years of not watching football to be able to work on their metaphors. So there's really no excuse. Well, and speaking of the trash talk, um, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but it seems like the general idea of this what shifted from oh well Missouri has a pro- positive offense and it'd be an upset for Purdue to win but in the last 24 hours it's gone to well you guys only beat Missouri they're awful I mean we saw it with Louisville just beating us they lost like six points Hazel yeah. was here for four years that's quite the stench yeah. as someone who is used to dealing with stenches he's referring to most while. of his dates Oh, to my what? <laughs> I didn't know you were referring to your Tinder dates now. Oh, I was just kind of speaking for my life in general, but anyway. there are some unfortunate stains on the couch. I think I'm just going to leave that right there. <laughs> uh, but anyway, we should uh, we, we should actually address the actual game. And, uh, you know, let's face it. This was a surprise from beginning to end. Uh, we knew that we knew that the offense was going to come out and probably put up some points against a defense that has struggled greatly. But Purdue's defense, man. I mean, when when's the last time that you guys could ever think of Purdue putting up that kind of a defensive effort? People saying, oh, it's just Mizzou and, you know, oh, we just beat an Ohio team or a Mac team. But like Purdue is actually destroying crappy teams in the past four years. Purdue would kind of struggle with these crappy teams, maybe eventually put them away. But now we're seeing Purdue just utterly dominate these teams. And perhaps, you know, Purdue might struggle to get to a bowl game year. But we're clearly seeing the progress. And I honestly think the defense made tremendous strides in the game yesterday. I That was the biggest surprise, I think. We expected the offense to be clicking, which... For the first time in years, we're expecting the offense to actually score and them meeting our expectations. I was worried about the secondary in this game, and they really shut down Mizzou. I mean, yeah, Mizzou might be crap, but they really did a good job shutting down Locke, and he was not comfortable all game. I think one of the things that stood out to me is for those first couple of drives— as Mizzou fell behind further and further since Purdue scored touchdowns on each of his first three drives, they kept thinking they could just power run on us with that running back. And, you know, Crockett was a good running back. I think he was averaging about 150 yards a game in the first two games. But it's like Purdue actually had an answer to stop the run. They couldn't run at will on us. 
which is something that we've seen Purdue struggle with against everybody up until now. And it's almost like Missouri didn't know what to do because they were still trying to establish the run down three or four touchdowns in the first half. And it's like, what? No, no, you can't run against us. Wait, what? You can't run against us? I mean, they couldn't run and they couldn't pass. Locke was 12 for 28. That's you know, he averaged uh, 4.75 yards per attempt. They only had three receivers make a catch. We did a wonderful job. We were all over the place, inside, outside, there to make hits. Our guys were, were... We don't have a defense that's wreaking a bunch of havoc in the backfield when it comes to sacks. We didn't have... I don't think we had a sack all game, but what we do, we control the line of scrimmage. We keep the quarterbacks in the pocket, and shockingly, our secondary is held up. I know, and, and it's, that, it's, that's without oh, Jallo, who's been banged up, too. And it allows our linebackers and everyone to play aggressive on the run. Uh, they didn't have, I mean, like you said, Crockett was held to 10 yards, or 19 yards on 10 carries. As a team, they rushed 2.9 yards per run. We just held an SEC team to three points, and they were probably lucky to get those three points. Right. They they don't get the three points if they don't get a tipped pass interception right before halftime. I think one of the biggest plays of the game was after it, it just is so telling about this coaching staff is the last possession that Missouri had when Kamal Hardy intercepted that ball in the end zone. Here you have Purdue leading by 32 points with three and a half, four minutes to go. The game is long decided. Kamal Hardy was brought in last year by Hazel, was banged up, is basically a senior that's a second teamer at best. And he's facing off against uh, Jamon Moore, who is one of the better receivers in the entire SEC. And basically, he just rips the ball away from him in the end zone like, no, we're not going to allow you even this. And I think that speaks volumes for what Brahm and his entire staff is doing that a second teamer with, you know, all respect to Hardy, not a ton of a future ahead of him in the program since he's a senior. And even he's like, no, I'm taking this ball from you. Deal with it. I'm not even giving you the pity touchdown. That was I, so dirty. Just to yeah, yank the ball. I was surprised the rest didn't even, I, I thought it was going to be blown dead. Like, oh yeah, he definitely right. has a touchdown there. And he's like, nope, this is my ball. I'm going, I'm taking this ball back to West Lafayette with me. You guys can I, suck it. You can suck a, my big balls. You SEC team. Like, I'm like a backyard play where the one adult like got mad that a kid almost scored on him. And he just like, nah, I'm going to take this. It's and, that, and that's what's so wonderful is it, it was their second team quarterback against one of the best SEC receivers that did it. I mean, it's an incredible mark against Hazel and an incredible mark for Brom that after three games, we can almost say declaratively without any pause or any hesitation at all that the culture needed changed and it got changed. And in six months, Brom's done more for this program than Hazel did in four years. Oh, agreed. He, I don't know if there's ever been a turnaround like this in college football. There probably has ton of teams, ton of changeovers, but certainly not um, for Purdue. It's usually it's, it's gotta be an incremental increase. And somehow Brom has injected this energy, this passion, this discipline that just wasn't there before. And all of a sudden, I mean, we're blowing out an SEC team 
on the road and holding them to three points. You know, this team had just gone so low, so down in the dumps that, you know, really it's like they know that whatever they did in the past did not work at all. And so Brom comes in, brings his new thing, and they accept it right away. You know, they know they had the change. Whereas I think also, I mean, Hazel was a bad coach, no doubt about it. But when Hazel comes in, he's taking over a team that had been going to bowl games the last two years. And so when he's trying to change things, the returning players are like, well, wait a minute, why are we trying to do all this other crappy stuff if the stuff we've been doing in the past worked? You know, suddenly there was this rift, I think, that I know Travis has heard from, from former players and their parents and just Hazel did not handle that transition well. Whereas I think Brom was able to come in being like, you know, take it this way. You know, the stuff in the past hasn't worked. It's my way or the highway. We're going to win this way. Let's go. And he's shown it. He's proved it. Well, you just, you kind of look at some of the players that are having, having big games and big moments, even though they've been in the program a few years. And I'm, I'm looking at the overall team stats for the, for the entire season. And you have a guy like Anthony Mahungu. He is in his third year in the program was a Juco. He caught four passes his first year on campus in the first game, I should say, and was barely used since. Uh, mostly because I think John Shoup was the, oh, this guy was successful. Well, they're expecting that, so we can't ever use him again. And now he has nine catches for 119 yards and a touchdown. It was pretty much an afterthought last year, and he's one of our better receivers. And he's not the only guy that's like that. When, you know, you have Kamal Hardy coming off the bench with that interception yesterday. You have Tario Fuller. Not the most talented running back on the roster, but he's getting it done because he does all the things right that Brom wants him to do. You know, I know that Markel Jones is banged up right now, but Tario Fuller had flat out beat him out and a bunch of other guys for the starting running back job. And it was a bunch of guys that honestly I thought were more talented than Fuller, but Fuller's that guy of okay, I may not be the most talented, but I will be the most technically perfect guy and do all the things that need to be done to play. I think it really was a theme of the game to see guys step up that we haven't really seen before. Terry Wright had a couple really nice plays, and he looked like the fastest guy on the on the field for most of the game. He mm-hmm. had the big touchdown brought back, but he still made a couple nice plays where he was able to just get by the secondary. And when you have athletes like that, we've probably always had them on the roster, but you need an offense that's capable of creating that kind of space, and we haven't had that with Hazel. With Brom, you know, we have Terry Fuller's uh, – touchdown run was just you know getting him isolated on the right side and being able to operate in space offense is really easy to do when you let your athletes get get matchups where they're not you know running layers into each other and they have room and they have to go one-on-one against a defender then it's all of a sudden in their favor right i mean and and you got so many other guys that are buying in that you know might have done some other some smaller stuff in the past few years but even now they're having huge years and it's just it's amazing to see that he has everybody kind of on the same page here. So, uh, you know, let's look let's look ahead a bit to Michigan. What happened Saturday? I mean, we've been surprised every every week so far where Purdue has outplayed all of our expectations. Psst. Juan, I believe you have the floor as somebody who's seen Michigan in person. I think Casey wants to Yeah. The good feeling we're feeling right now deep in our chest, that warmth. Is going to end Saturday? I don't know. I, re- I really don't know. I mean, my guard is up as a Purdue fan. Uh, my guard is always going to be up as a Purdue fan. As Until we win that natty, right? Right. Well, 
I was I was in the stands for the. Are we game. talking about the Iowa State guy again? No, we're talking about Natty as the national title. There we go. Oh, but my guard will always be up. But I do remember that '97 season, Tiller's first year, and you mentioned you know amazing turnarounds. The '97 season was completely and utterly different from the '96 season. Purdue went from three and eight to nine and three, and it it happened very very similar to what we're seeing right now where you know we just started we just started winning games after so few wins co- going into that season it was just a hell of a ride from beginning to end under the what what we're 6 and 1 now okay sure why not Michigan's defense is going to be the best defense Purdue has faced so far this season, perhaps even the whole year. It's really going to push this team to the test because I think with Louisville, I think we saw last night and how Clemson just straight up whooped them at home. Their defense isn't that great. Ohio, they have an okay defense, still let Kansas score some 30-some points yesterday, but they still won. And then Mizzou is Mizzou. At least in the game on Saturday, the running game is definitely going to have an issue because Michigan's front line is absolutely scary. I mean, Air Force was able to get some good rushing yards on them, but that's also because they're using the triple threat option that can destroy anyone. I mean, but, Air Force passed, what, five times yesterday? And their only completion was for 64 yards and a touchdown. So well, we should works. run the wishbone tomorrow or Saturday. Right. So the thing is, I think... Blau and Sindelar can take advantage because Michigan secondary still has some question marks there, I think. And I think Blau and Sindelar can take advantage of it. But the thing is, is that they're going to have to get those passes off quickly. Because if you look back and the passes that Blau and Sindelar have had, they've had plenty of time in the pocket. Like, especially like that triple double reverse fleet flicker thing. Like, seems like that was going on for at least like a full minute before Blau <laughs> threw it down the field. And he but still like took said, a nasty hit. Yeah, oh, yeah. Like he, he said, we haven't played a good defense. Louisville was not a good defense. In our offensive line, coming into the year, the reason we were all pessimistic is because our offensive line was not supposed to be good. The reason why I think we might have a chance in this game is Michigan's offense is still God knows what it's trying to do. Are they Uh, running the clogged toilet offense? They are running the let's get it to the end red zone and then the bed offense. They have gone to the red zone 10 times and have only gotten a touchdown once this season. Holy hell. Michigan's offense has had five offensive touchdowns this year. The defense has had three and special teams had one. So we're approaching the point where the defense special teams might start outscoring the offense in terms of touchdown. Now, of course, they have a really good kicker with uh, Quinton Nordine. This was the guy that Harbaugh had to sleep over with a few years ago to get him to not commit to Penn State and come to Michigan. Uh, He might be a Heisman favorite later on this year. But Oh, you are high right now. I don't know. Nordine is pretty good. Like when he first made that kick, I'm like, are we sure Carson Wiggs isn't kicking for Michigan all of a sudden here? Because he had a really nice 55 yarder against Florida and another 50 yarder too. So that's really helped Michigan. I think in those last few games is their kicking game. Um, How's their kick return game? I mean, nothing too special. Donovan Peoples-Jones is usually the returner. However, in the Cincinnati game, he played in the first half. He's a freshman, got a little too excited. The ball started bouncing towards him. He's like, oh, I'm going to pick this up and see what happens. And he touched the ball, didn't pick it up, and Cincinnati recovered and got a touchdown out of it. Um, So Harbaugh pulled him out in the Cincinnati game. But then he was put back in the Air Force game, played a lot smarter. He had a punt return for a touchdown. 
I mean, their special teams is still pretty good, I'd say. Although I think with the kickoffs, going to have to have Spencer Evans in there to get the touchbacks. I think we'll definitely play it safe there. I say we went, we're two games away from nearly giving up three special team touchdowns. Yeah. And I, I, I think that it just feels like that Purdue's going to have one of those days coming soon where it's not going to click. I mean, we we still I love our guys. I love the heart that they're putting out there, but we've still seen many of them make a ton of mistakes here of late. And you had the pick six against against uh, Louisville that ended up help deciding the game. And I don't think that Michigan's a team that we can make that type of mistake, those types of mistakes against. And that that honestly could be our undoing on Saturday. If you throw an interception against Michigan, there, there's a good chance they're going to try to return it for a touchdown. They've already had two pick sixes so far this season, both in the Cincinnati game. Blau and Sindelar both have to be careful. I mean, we saw Sindelar's interception. I mean, granted, it was tipped, yes. But even then, Mizzou was able to quickly take advantage of that. And had it not been for piss-poor play calling, they could have easily gotten a touchdown there, too. Are we still of mind that we want two quarterbacks or is it Blau now and then Sindelar gets a possession here and there? I honestly don't know. I mean, it's it, it right now it seems to be working. It really right. seems to be working. Blau had those two back-to-back three and outs technically because of the muff punt in the middle. And, you know, Brom was just, you know, yelling at him. I mean, probably in a not in an I hate you sort of way, but, you know, more of a coaching, you know. Thank you, you for clarifying that one. Well, I mean. <laughs> You know, it's not like, you know what I'm trying to say. Football then, coaches yell. Yes. That's what they do. But And then quickly puts in Sindelar and, you know, re-sparks the offense again. And I th- and then puts Blau back in to start out the second half and get the touchdown to Richie Worship then to uh, give Purdue the 35-3 to lead, which, as, as I may point out, Purdue had a 28-3 to lead. Um, so we quickly decided we're not going to be the Atlanta Falcons in this game on Saturday. Oh, I was still worried. I, I oh, was still worried. Because yeah, so was if, I. But if any team was going to blow a 35-3 lead, it's Purdue. Be, no, that's Texas A&M. Oh no, no. By a Purdue grad. Uh, yeah, I mean Purdue is a verb. I, I I was about the only time I was not worried was with about five minutes left. Even even with the hearing on the radio, oh well, they've quit and everything else. No, I I, I have that PTSD that it was like the okay, you know, they're gonna get the one touchdown and pull off the two point conversion, and then here it comes and everything else. But I think when when they got the interception, when the ball was just ripped out the Mizzou's hands like that's when you knew it was yeah. like all right yeah this game is definitely over I mean it was over a while ago Mizzou had just given up there's 35 to 3 leads and then there's like utter domination and what we did was utter domination I right. had no it, concern honestly after the first quarter and that could have been a 41 to 3 win as well had it not been for two missed field goals I mean that that's what's also so encouraging about this under the Holy crap, uh, we could have beat them a whole lot worse, and we still had a lot of improvement that we needed. I mean, you could also say that in the Ohio game, there's 10 points left on the board because of drop passes, or left off the board because of drop passes. Mm-hmm. And then Louisville, you know, the, the drop passes there. I mean, Clemson showed what happens when you catch deep balls. I'm not sure we're allowed to have a conversation about football with Purdue and Clemson in the same sentence. You know what? It We can actually maybe mention that now compared to the last four years, though. No. Did you just see what Clemson did to Louisville? Oh, no. It was utter domination. Like, 
it were early on, like Clemson was making catching those deep passes too, and I'm like, oh, so that's what might have happened if we. I'm not saying we would have dominated Louisville, of course not, but would have been nice to catch one or two of those potential touchdown passes. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely, and you know, it's just I, I'm really just dumbfounded at where we are right now, and that's I I, I keep making that same point over and over again but i can't help it i mean i'm looking at some of the other stats that right that we see right now david Blau's completing 76 percent of his passes right now 76 percent he's had 16 incompletions he's been and, really good and two of those were interceptions so the sec network pointed out yesterday that when he was at western kentucky the western kentucky quarterbacks under brahm had a completion of 69 percent nice it's the only reason why I'm mentioning that's that. That's why I had the nice. You, you lob up the assist and I'll dunk it home. That's the only dunk I can ever get. So thank you, white man, Travis. Hey, but you, you know, you mentioned the Blau and Sindelar debate, and I I kind of agree with you. It's like Blau is Blau's playing out of his mind, and to me, he is unquestionably the starter and the better quarterback, but it's not that Sindelar's really played that poorly. I mean, he's got the 50% completion percentage and everything else. Uh, I mean, you throw him in there and he's done well. He, I think he has at least a touchdown pass in all three games. I think he's thrown all four touchdown passes to Jackson Anthrop. And I mean, really Jackson Anthrop, I mean, look at him. What he's doing this year is just phenomenal. I'm just so surprised that this dual quarterback system is actually working for once. We had 13 people catch passes, by the way, 13 different people. And when you talk about guys catching passes, I think it's also very telling that Brom brought in three receivers, either from Juco or, as graduate transfers, he brought in Zico, he brought in Wright. I was and just going to say, and Isaac Zico caught a pass, whatever that is. It's <laughs> he's a Bond catching villain. passes. He's a, he's a Bond villain from Eastern Europe. The, the guys that he brought in under the, okay, I don't know who's here. I have to bring in my own guys immediately to play. They have eight receptions. Anthrop, Phillips, and Mahungu, the guys that were quote-unquote left over from Hazel, have 30 nine receptions and that's that's mind-boggling he's he's taken what hazel was never able to do and bear in mind hazel is now an nfl receiving coach and brahm has taken those guys and made them just solid big 10 receivers for the record daryl hazel is the wide receivers coach for the Minnesota Vikings. So, you know, not the most impressive place to be. Just Stefan Diggs is awesome. Shut your mouth. Just saying. <laughs> I mean, they, they, they lost pretty badly to the Steelers today. So, I mean, they're the Vikings. We, Sam we know Bradford that, didn't play. We know what the Vikings are going to do. They'll make the playoffs and then lose an epic gut-wrenching kick in the groin fashion. That's That's just what the Vikings do. And it'll be awesome. Just because you're bitter that. about your Colts doesn't mean you have to carry it over to the whole NFL. Oh, please. I am not a Colts fan oh, anymore. Geez, I'm I an am in- not a Colts fan. I'm an NFL atheist. <sighs> I mean, even I'm getting tired of the NFL. Like, I'm not even, the Packers are playing right now, and I'm just like, this is not going well against the Falcons. I'm, I'm just going to record a podcast with Casey <laughs> and Travis. Anyway, so probably our last topic for the night. Um, Bowl game. Are we going to a bowl wow. this year? Don't be Why gentle not? about it. So, yeah, are we going to a bowl this year? 
I mean, all those toss-up games we were talking about at the beginning of the year, we're getting close to feeling good about them, right? I, I admit that, you know, I, I was on record as calling Missouri as my early season. Hey, this is where Brom shows that he was the right hire and we pull off the win on the road. But we're well ahead of schedule right now. So seven w- wins is actually possible. You have Rutgers and Illinois. It's two guaranteed wins. Um, I said in the last podcast that we'll either win one against Michigan, Wisconsin, or Nebraska. Nebraska is definitely looking like the possible win there. Northwestern didn't look great. It hasn't looked great so far this season. And the IU game. Did you say Minnesota at home? I did not say Minnesota, actually. Because we host Minnesota. That too. I know that, but I'm not... so Lorenzo Neal is big enough alone to sink a ship. And I'm not talking like create a hole. I just mean stand on the deck somewhere and the ship's probably going down. <laughs> wow. He's gigantic. That is He's a big man. Huge. I love it. He is big and he is beautiful. You know, strangely, I kind of want to go to the Quick Lane Bowl in Detroit just so we can win. Uh, so just so we can win the three different Detroit bowl games bowl in Detroit. Three, yes, under three different, three different sponsors. <laughs> that I mean, is the like worst a, hat trick of all time. This is what Travis lives for now. Hey, so, I have attended it, a bowl would, no, game. Seriously, in though, if we make a bowl game this year, that would be unbelievably exciting to turn it around that quickly. Just incredible. I mean, we have been starving for crumbs, and now we've got, like, prime rib on our plate. Yeah. and Or Papa John's pizza, whatever the bowl is. You're you're looking at four wins, and four more wins, and I, I agree with you guys in the, all right, you got to beat Rutgers in Illinois. You both, have to beat Indiana at this point. I, I, I agree. we got to get the bucket out of exile because I, I just can't live in a world where they win five in a row. They've never won five in a row. It's We're going to need, like, a hazmat crew. To pick up the bucket for us, because God knows what's been going through in Bloomington. Well, Corso's not there regularly, so I think we're okay. No, well, yeah, but it's problem. been there for four straight years. Like they don't know how to behave with it. Like Lord knows what has happened to that bucket. Yeah, they've I had mean, coaches lay with it naked before. Exactly. <laughs> Lee Corso and... put his squiggly wigglies on it. Oh, that was an odd sound that you had it after saying that phrase, and I'm not sure I want to know what caused it. I pictured Lee Corso naked. <laughs> <laughs> Almighty. With just like one of the mascot heads on. <laughs> Which one? Yeah, he likes Ohio State, so probably Brutus. Oh, I went horned frog. Oh, dear God <laughs> Almighty. Well, he was nuts hanging. <laughs> and it got worse. <laughs> and it got worse. On that note, I think we need to. Dr- to drive this leaky ship into port because my god lee corso naked on it? <laughs> lee corso naked with a mascot head i mean it's just bad horned frog anyway do you have any final thoughts casey a horned frog head kind of looks like a lumpy ball sack why did i say it? why not <laughs> juan do you want to be the adult in the room sure i'll try my best um, the Buckeye to a butthole. No, I'm not going to go that far. <laughs> Although most Ohio State fans are assholes, but... Oh, I led you into that. Yeah. You know what? Football is fun. And we might get a small dose of reality this weekend against Michigan, but I think we got a good one with Brom. Mm-hmm. I, I was skeptical a little bit at first when we hired him because 
I mean, I think I was still broken from the Hazel days, but it's all aboard your spoiler maker special. Uh, I I agree, and I mean we're playing with the house's money right now. We're we're a ten point underdog at home, and yeah, we're probably gonna lose. Michigan's Michigan's a good team, and we'll probably end up losing. But my God, the fact that we actually have a legitimate chance of pulling off this upset, and, and the fact that Michigan fans are scared to play Purdue. Yes, and that that's the other thing is people are afraid to play us. It's that's that's a general concept for the rest of the Big Ten now is the holy. We have to worry about Purdue. When's the, I mean, we, when's the last time anybody other than Illinois could say that? I Indiana mean, probably Ohio State had... in 2011, 2012 was probably the it, last time. We have a four-game losing streak to Indiana, and look how bad they've been historically. You know, they're they're in their height of glory right now because ooh, they made a couple bowl games at six and six. I mean, my God, people have to worry about playing us right now. It's wonderful. Now let's start winning games. Keep winning Twitter games. On, Twitter on Saturday is pretty dope, man. Oh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's not just me drinking beer in the stands and trying no, to... No, it's still mostly that, but the other people have gotten better. Oh, yeah, yeah, there's that. Anyway, let's uh, let's bring this creaky ship ashore. And uh, for Casey, for Juan, and myself, T-Mill... Thank you for listening to us tonight and boiler up let's keep this let's keep this hype train going.